Hello and welcome to the Lancet Psychiatry Podcast. My name is Niall Boyce. I'm the editor of the Lancet Psychiatry. And today this is a bit of a special podcast because we're going to be demystifying, for a start, one of the uh, things which readers often ask about with the journal, and that is the editorial. I'm joined by Hannah Cagney, who is uh, the senior editor on the Lancet Psychiatry, and we're going to be talking about the subject of this month's editorial and about some of the papers which are associated with it. The question I get asked often is, who writes the editorials? And the answer is that we all do. There are three of us on the team, myself, uh, Deputy Editor Joan Marsh, and Senior Editor, who is Hannah. Every month we talk about what's in the issue, or we talk about topics which are very present in, in mental health, and we decide uh, which one we're going to cover. So normally one author will come up with the first draft. That draft is then passed around uh, to the other editors until we get something that we're all happy with, or something that we're all equally unhappy with, and uh, and then we, we get that onto the page and it goes to press. Hannah took the lead on this month's editorial, which has the title, Why Be Happy When You Could Be Normal, which is, of course, also the name of a, a Jeanette Winterson book. So, Hannah, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about this and uh, how the idea came about and, and your thinking behind it. Thank you, Niall. I knew I was going to be writing the editorial for October, and one of the first things that you do when you have the editorial is that you look at the content in the issue. And something that was very um, struck me immediately about this month's issue is the content of a series on bullying, which we are running um, two series papers, which are essentially um, literature reviews, but that do, don't just go over what has been previously published, but also try and synthesise that into something more meaningful to actually tackle a topic. So our bullying papers, um, the first is a paper on sibling bullying, bullying in family, by Dieter Walker. And the second paper is about the psychopathology and other adult outcomes of bullying in childhood. So for me, those two papers really struck me as something that would be um, very powerful to include, because we've done a lot on bullying, haven't we, before? We have. This this started actually when I was at WPA almost exactly a year ago, uh, last September, and um, one of the panels which I, I went to was on which, which uh, some of these authors were on, and was on the subject of bullying. And this is something which I hadn't really seen before at a general psychiatric conference. I know that paediatric journals have, have covered it, but it struck me as being uh, quite an important topic because it's not just about child well-being, but it's about the well-being of the adult who, who the child becomes. And I think in psychiatry, perhaps because of, uh, of early influences of psychoanalysis and so on, we, we fixate very much on the family. We don't often think about children and young people in the context of, of their peers. And that's why I think these two papers are quite a nice balance because the first one covers relationship with siblings as opposed to parents. And that's something I think we don't often think about in psychiatry. And then the second one is very much about peers, about the people who, who surround you who are very important as you're growing up. And another thing that, that struck me as well about the emphasis on peers was another paper that we'd published um, just a few weeks ago online, which um, is going into the September issue previously, uh, about goths. And um, really that got a lot of media attention because the headline was Goths yes. and Depression, yes. um, as you will have heard on the previous podcast with um, Lucy Bowes. But really about the media coverage around that paper, and there seemed to be a, a sort of a deep scepticism about young people and mental health problems and subgroups. And Yeah, I think it's fair to say it was very mixed. One of the things I noticed at the press conference, which was held at the Science Media Centre, I should say as well, press conferences, the, the way I see them is that they're there to help 
uh, very busy journalists put research findings into context. I don't see them as, as being there to hype papers, and they're there so journalists can, can answer uh, you know, often you know, very, very uh, penetrating questions about the paper. And there's a question which came up there, which is, isn't it just part of the image of um, goth teenagers to say that they're unhappy, and so wouldn't they just you know, scores depressed on these, these scales used. That was interesting. I mean, of course, it is, it is something which is, is a valid question to ask. Clearly, the scale which was used in the paper was self-rated. Um, but what, what Lucy was very keen to point out was, and she said it again in the podcast, was this isn't about a general feeling of unhappiness or an image. This is actually, a, you know, a validated scale looking at diagnosable depression and so on. And I think one of the things you pick up on the editorial is, is that sort of attitude beneath that, which is, isn't this just sort of acting out? Isn't this just teenage angst? Uh, is this something we should, we should take seriously? And what you're saying, and what I agree with is, well, yeah, we should take it seriously. And so that brings us back to the editorial. So really, the first draft, I suppose, was trying to, on the one hand, provide a summary of the content that we're publishing in the bullying series and, and tying that in with the previous research the journal has published on the topic. But then try and drill down to what are the greater truths being suggested by this. And one of the things that um, was really quite nice to be able to draw out was um, this, this concept of normal, which mm -hmm. Niall brought in as well um, when we were writing the editorial about what does it mean to be normal? who is asking this question about being normal and in a lot of this research it seems to be adults posing mm -hmm. a very external view of normality and is it really meaningful um, to sort of compare children and adolescents against this external normal concept because what's what your reality is when you're 16 years old is very different from the view of the world from an adult perspective. Yes, but I think that it's also important to stress that youth subcultures exist for, for a reason and people don't tend to, to be involved in things if they don't get, get something from them and often something very positive. I know that, that say, to, to go back to the, the Goth um, paper, there were two possible directions of association, two reasons for the finding suggested by the authors. And the one which, to me seemed very plausible was that um, goth uh, teenagers feel that uh, they're somewhat at odds with, with so-called uh, normal society, and quite understandably so when you look at what we call normal society, and that um, goth offers them a, a, a sort of home, a space, and, and peers with which to, to contain this and um, to be able to share their views and to express themselves. And in a way, that's, that's almost the, the, the flip side of, of bullying, which is that uh, peers can be very destructive, but also in terms of subcultures, peers can be very constructive and can be very supportive. And that's an important thing to, to remember. Yes, and I think that's, that's one of the really important research messages to come out of the whole series, because peer groups are incredibly significant to both young children and older teenagers and to really understand the processes that drive the development of mm -hmm. mental illness and also the related uh, measure of well-being. You really do have to understand the peer groups and the harms and the benefits and the overall effect that these have on young people as they grow up. We know from neuroscience that um, child and adolescent brains develop along quite different trajectories and have very um, different levels of emotional and cognitive processing compared with how adults arrive at decisions. And I just think that it's, it's really important to understand this, con this context. Yes, and, and another way to put it is that I, I've gone and done talks in schools about psychiatry and about the, the journal and so on. 
and those are the talks which I always prepare for for the longest period of time. Of course, I always put a lot of effort into, into talks wherever I give them, but you really have to be on the ball if you're going to give a talk at a school because the questions will be uh, harder, they'll be further reaching, um, they'll, they'll really get to, to the heart of issues. Um, and so you, you, have to, you have to be ready uh, when you're talking to, to younger people. And uh, I think the conclusion of this editorial, which is that this is something which professionals need to do, which is to look at how young people define themselves and their peer groups and their problems, and to, to take that seriously. I think that that's a very good, strong bottom line for the, the editorial to have. Beyond the editorial, what do you think are the next steps? that the journal could take with bullying? Are we going to stay interested in bullying? Oh yes, I think it is. I think it is an important topic. It's interesting when you look at these papers how much we know, but how how much we don't know as well. And especially about reconceptualizing bullying, looking at what happens within families as, as being bullying. And one of the things that people think of with bullying, which again is in the editorial, is that it's part of childhood, that it's the world in miniature, that it's it's just something you go through and then it ends and, and, and you go into, into adult life. But firstly, as uh, Anaclemic's paper shows it, it does stay with, with people. And then the other thing is there's lots of aspects of childhood and of being a young person which we used to think were normal and which we now would throw our hands up in horror at. So, for instance, um, child labour or corporal punishment in schools were just taken to be part of normal childhood. And I, th I think that the main message to get from this is that bullying shouldn't be considered normal, that it should be considered harmful, that it's something you, you can and that you should do something about, uh, both for the as I say, the, the adult that the child will grow into, and also for the day-to-day -day existence of um, children and young people. Okay, so I think that's a good note to end on. Thanks, Hannah, for uh, being here to discuss this editorial, and you can read the editorial, uh, a comment by uh, George Schrabstein, the papers, all in this issue of The Lancet Psychiatry, online and in print. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.